Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Coffee with Casey. My name is Casey Sampson, and yes, I am a workaholic. You know, when really, when you do what you love, you just, you just never stop, right? I get up in the morning, and I'm excited to come to work. I'm excited to get going, but clearly, I'm a workaholic. So sometimes, you know, I'm 65 years old, and friends that are retired are saying, when are you going to retire? When are you going to retire? I just, I could never even think about it. I mean, if I go two days on a vacation, I'm, I'm anting to get back to work. What I'm obsessed with is real estate market pricing. Where's the market headed? What mistakes are people making? What are the newest tools? I mean, real estate is just fascinating. So, you know, in a market like this, it's turning down. It's down 10% in the last probably four months. You know, the question is, how low does it go? When does it level off? What are the triggers that'll cause it? What mistakes are people currently making in the market right now that are costing them a lot of money? Are people out buying houses and putting them under contract? The answer is yes. The bank of mom and dad is alive and well. A lot of homes are being purchased, a significant number with mom and dad backing them. So let's go through today. You know, there's I go out, I'm lucky enough to be able to go to lunch with my wife quite a bit. And, you know, we're driving down Cottage and she'll look at a house, this beautiful house. And she says, that house still hasn't sold. Why hasn't it sold? And I'm like, well, I don't care. I'm not paid to price that house. I have clients. Clients want me to give the, my opinion on their pricing. You know, buyers need it. All my agents need it. So, so you know, I don't know. I don't really care. But after 30 times of asking, why is that house not selling? Why is that house not selling? Finally came home and I put to work and I said, all right, well, I'll tell you why it's not selling, right? So let's take a look at that. And let's take a look at another mistake that happened this week that the agents need to be cognizant of, right? When they are working in real estate, pricing real estate, selling real estate. I'm also going to talk about, you know, the deals, how you find a deal. I mean, I'll show you an anatomy of a deal that we're getting right now, all right? We'll also talk about some changing contract strategies. Um, they are different today than they were six months ago. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And if we have time, there's a big lawsuit, $1.7 billion. Um, and uh, the National Association of Realtors lost. And it has to do with commissions. And I don't think it's going to have much of an effect on the sellers and buyers, it has no effect. It may have a little effect on realtors if they're not prepared. But if we have time, I'm gonna talk about the business of real estate and the changing of the commissions and the commission structure, okay? So let's go online. Let's go check and see what we got. And I'm gonna show you the couple deals. The first deal is going to be the deal that Carol is asking me, why is it not priced? Why is it not, why is it not selling? It's been on for a long time. We drive by it. It's a beautiful house. It's on for um, the list price of this house is two point five two five million, not one point five two five. It's two point five two five. So I look at that and I said, well, the first problem is by going twenty five thousand dollars over that threshold of two point five million, you've just wiped out two thirds of your buyer pool. So I don't care if you're selling for five hundred thousand or you're selling for 700,000, you never go over a major threshold, which is $50,000, $100,000, a million, 500,000. So here you have a threshold of 2.5 million 
where people are going, give me all the houses under 2.5 million. This house is not seen by any of those people. So the market under 2.5 million, and again, that's a typo. The market under 2.5 million is three times the size of the market over 2.5 million. Okay, so that's the first problem I see. The second problem, so I run a pricing model. And I said, okay, well, what are these houses really worth? Now, this is this is um, a pricing model that, that stands through the test of time. This is a gold standard of pricing. So I look at it and say, okay, it's worth about $2.4 million, a standard customary house that's 5,600 square feet built in 2015, you know, that has this lot. This is what a house of that size would cost. 2.4 million. So, you know, there's still a little overpriced for that. Then I have another test that I go through, which is very important. And that is what'd you buy it for, right? What did you buy it for? So I put a chart in here. And, and the reason I use the word uh, Dexcom of real estate, my daughter, uh, Morgan has type one diabetes. And that's the bad one. That's one where the pancreas is checked out and said, we'll see you later. You're on your own. So a diabetic needs to know what their sugar is because they have to administer either food or whatever you call that, you know, you know what I'm talking about with, with the um, needle. Um, oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But they need to know not only what their number is, but whether it's rising or going down. Because if you set a number and... Um, and she makes corrective action, you could hyper the down or hyper the up. So, so really what you need to know is what is the trend of your sugar? In real estate, we need to know what the trend of the market is. In other words, what was a house worth in 2017, 2020, 2022, 2023? In other words, what is the trend? And what you'll see, what this is, what this is showing us is a couple of things. One, home prices in general, and this is just price per square foot, it's the only way to do it, have gone down about 10% in the last three to four months, just the way it is. You see the green line in the middle. And for those of you that are listening to a podcast, what we're looking at is a chart that has three lines. A blue line shows people what a standard home of 5,500 square feet built in 2015 what would that sell for in 2017? What would it sell for in 2020, in 22, in 23? And today, what is it selling for? So it gives me a track of, and a trending, if you will, a couple of things, it gives me the trend of where the pricing is going. It also tells me, where's, where should it be? Well, the green line, there's a blue line, a green line, and a red line. The, the green line, is the price based on inflation. If the price went up based on just normal inflation, that's what I call the value line. So in this case, it got to 2.7 million. The value line was at 2.4 million. So since that time in 2022, it's dropped to 2.56 and the value line is 2.597. So you see what happened was, prices have returned to their value line, just like they did in 2007, okay, 2010. So, so the reason why this chart is so important is there's a red line on this chart as well. And that is, 
what did this person buy their house for? This is what really is eye-opening. So if everybody else bought their house, a 5,500 square foot house built in 2015, if, if they all paid $1.9 million, what did this seller pay? They paid $1.55 million. Well, that's $350,000 under market value. And the reason why this is important is because I have some home, some sellers say, yes, my house is a premium. It's got a pool. It's got this. It's got that. It's got premium. What premium did you pay for it? Some may pay $200,000 over market value. Well, when we sell it, your house is worth $200,000 uh, $200, more than the market value because that's what you paid for it. So if you paid $200,000 more eight years ago, it should be worth $200,000 more than the rest of the market. But if you paid $350,000 less than the market in 2017, then shouldn't your house be worth $350,000 less when you put it on the market today? So if the average home is, now forget about the, um, the numbers here. I'm just looking for the trends because this is just price per square foot. It has nothing to do with assessments and all the rest of that. But this is showing that it should be about $400,000 less than the rest of the market or $2 million, not 2.4, million, $2 million. So, so why is it not selling? Well, it's on the market for 2.525, which we know the first problem is they went over 2.5 million and that knocked out two thirds of their buyer pool. That's one problem. The other problem is they bought it at a $350,000 discount and they're putting it over, over the rest of the market, right? So if you bought it at a discount, you're gonna sell it at a discount. So it might not be as big. You might got to have got a great deal. You may have put a lot of stuff in the house since then. And all that would be taken into account. But for goodness sakes, when you buy for 350 under market value, you have to take that under account. Whether it's a busy street, a bad lot, the kind of construction that you had. And, and I understand if the listing agent did a poor job, you know, maybe you got a deal, but not $350,000. So there's something there with that house. So this is all stuff that you bring to sellers when you list a house. I know the market's a 2.4, but if I didn't see this, I would say, well, 2.4 is about right. Let's test it. But after looking at this, I would be extremely skeptical of why this seller thinks. Now look at this. The people that bought a house for $1.9 million are currently selling it at about a, let's call it a $600,000 profit. What they're asking for is a million dollar profit. I bought for one five five. I'm going to sell for two five two five uh, two five two five. So the seller is trying to get a million dollars in profit when the rest of the market got $600,000 in profit. That's what it's worth. It's worth somewhere in the 2.1, 2.2 million dollar range. To be generous, 2.1, 2.2 million. And then we'd have to look at the market and see how the market's doing in that price range. But, but you know, to be honest with you, um, it's pretty clear if you see the video of this and you can look at the blue line is at 2.56 and the red line is at 2,071,000. 
I mean, that's a $500,000 difference. So when Carol asks me again, why is that house not selling? Well, first of all, they priced it 25 over the major threshold. That was not, not bright. And the other thing was they bought it at a discount of $350,000 and they're trying to get a premium for the house. That's why it's not selling. So I don't have to sit in the car and listen to that a lot, right? I can now tell her. I'm kind of like, you know, so how's the market? You know how in, what is that, Groundhog's Day when Bill Murray comes down, the lady asks him how the weather is and he gives her a very detailed report on how the weather is. And he said, did you want to know about the weather or did you do chit-chatting? And she goes, just, just chit-chatting. So I'm Bill Murray. I'm the guy that will tell you what the weather is at the time, right? About the fronts coming through. So anyways, let's look at the example number two I have of the anatomy of a mistake. And this is on one of our listings. And I'll show you how this happens. We, we haven't had a listing over 30 days and this one's getting close. So something's wrong. So the model says the home is worth $1.2 million. So we tested that. It didn't test well. So we moved back to 115. Well, I mean, we're worth 1.2 and it's all fixed up. It's got a new bathroom. It looks great. And everything's been painted. Should get at least 115. So sure enough, we get 28 people through the house in the last 25 days. No contracts. What do you mean no contracts? So then I put on my Joe Kenda hat or my, who's the other guy, Columbo. I put on my Columbo hat and go, wait a minute, something's wrong. Something is wrong here because you should have a contract every time you get seven showings. So if I have seven showings and no contract, that's a problem. 14 showings, no contract. That's a huge problem. 28, con 28 people coming through the house and no contracts, we got a massive problem. So get the sellers on the horn, start investigating, start looking into what happened and why is this not happening? And there's always a reason, right? So, so I go back to their tax record. And the assessment says we're worth a million eighty-three, and most houses sell for a percentage of their assessments, right? 108, 110, 111, whatever it is. <clears throat> so all of a sudden I looked at this and I said, well, between 2001, 2000, uh, 2021 and 2022, and we're looking at the tax record here of what their tax record is and how it got to a million eighty-three. It was 812 in 2021 and it was 993 in 2022. So if, if most assessments went up eight to 10% during that period, they went up 24%. So that's the problem. So when you inflate an assessment, it inflates the value. Okay. So, so it's not a million 83. That's not accurate. So if we just go back to 2020, increase it 20%, we come to 980, not a million 80, a 980, right? So if I go back to the model and I put that in the model, that is 980 as an assessment, not a million 80. Look at the customary value. Now it shows the customary value at a million 87. And based on the fact that the home has new bathrooms, new kids, it's got new everything. It should be, this is a customary number. So an updated number is somewhere in the 11 to 115 range. So let's get this thing to 115 and move on. But what happens is most realtors, unfortunately, 
will sit on that and just sit on it and let it and let it rock. But our formula is if, if it's not sold in the first week, we have a problem. We're we're really digging in, right? And once we get to this point of 20, 25 days, there's something wrong if, if we have that many people coming through a house and nobody's writing a contract. What's the problem? It had an inflated um, assessment. When you put on the regular assessment, boom, it comes down to where it should be. And that's where we price it at. So, so those are two mistakes that can happen. And this is why, you know, you can't be a realtor that puts, a, puts an address in a computer and it shoots out a big report. That computer doesn't take a lot of this into account. Was there a problem? Was there an anomaly? What did they buy it for? What's the difference between them and the market? So, so pricing a house is an investigation. When I say Joe Kenda, it's a murder mystery. When, when somebody comes in and says, hey, what's this house worth? We go all in because we're investigating all of these indicators and we'll tell a story and it will bring us to the right price. 96% of our houses sell in the first weekend. They sell at a premium. So, so we know it works. And, and these are, if something doesn't work, you got to investigate even further to find out what the problem is. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about anatomy of a great deal. Let's flip around. Now we're going to take off our seller's hat. We're going to put on our buyer's hat. And I'm going to show you how you get a great deal in this market, right? So house goes on the market. Uh, Morgan and, and Colby called me up and said, hey, we, want to, we have a buyer that's interested in this house. We think it's a good deal. What do you think? So I look at it and I say, well, In 2000, so they listed it in, two, in uh, June of 2023. And right now we're looking at what's called the history of the listing. So in June, it was listed for $1.499 million, so $1.5 million. What was it worth in June? My first question, did they overprice it? What was it worth in June? So I come back and in June, it was worth $1.434 million. So they overpriced it $70,000. That's problem number one. Okay, so it sat and sat and sat. It sat and sat and sat. And then they put it down to 1.399. They realized their mistake and put it down to 1.399 after a couple of weeks, but it's too late. You did that too late. I mean, it should have come off should have tested at one, four, five. If it didn't test well, then you launched the listing at 1.39. That's when you're the bell of the ball. That's when everybody's coming and looking at it. So they move it to 1399 in, oh, let's see, how long did it take? After, after eight days, right? They, they dropped the price after eight days. Huh. So, Anyways, they relisted. Now it's at one four. Too late. They've already, you know, the buyer pool is gone. In September, this is June. They did that. In September, they decide to bring it back on at week uh, one point three nine nine, and then they drop it to one three two five. Well, what's it worth today? It's worth one three seven five. What are we going to get it for? One point three. Now, remember, six months ago in June, 
it was worth 1.435. We're going to get it for 1.3. Why? Because the agent kept overpricing the house and wasn't moving fast enough, didn't do their test. And now from their mistake, our buyer is going to get our buyer. Uh oh, that Our buyer is going to get that house for a deal, right? So, so that's what, you know, when you look at this obsession or workaholic or whatever it is, it's because things like this are happening. Because people pay us a lot of money not to overprice their house, be able to react if something happens. If they're going to buy something, we need to go in and, and really get a good deal or know what that house is worth going in. And if they've overpriced it, that's fine. That's fine. Let them overprice it. We'll be back in three months. And that's when we get a deal, right? We also go in and get a deal. We also go back in and we get deals when um, homes withdraw. So that's going to bring us to some commission stuff. So let me, let's talk about commissions. So whatever the ruling was by a court, they said um, um, National Association of Realtors, um, you, you know, the sellers are paying 2.5%. And there's, I, I think they're saying you're overcharging. I don't know the exact thing, but all I know is everybody's in an uproar about commissions. So they sue them, I guess, because it's more like price fixing what you pay the commission to the selling agent. And I believe they said in the ruling that the selling agents are overpriced, which is a bunch of bullshit. Let them go drag a buyer around for 27 houses and then have the buyer buy a new home that doesn't split commissions with the realtors. Let them go do that. Let them drive around on a Sunday afternoon all over the place and then have a seller decide they, or a buyer decide they're going to rent. See, I, I thought 3% was too much. So in 2010, because a lot of buyers are finding their house on the, on the internet, I thought that 3% was too much. So I moved my commission that I was going to pay uh, selling agents to 2.5. Everybody was in an uproar. They thought, I, oh, nobody's ever going to sell your house. My own brother said he would not sell one of my listings. My own brother said, if you do two and a half percent, I wouldn't sell one of your listings. And he's on my team. So I put it in and said, yeah, we're going to pay two and a half percent uh, commissions because most people find it on the internet and our prices are really high and blah, 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 blah. So everybody's in an uproar. Eh, whatever. My home sold faster than anybody still. So what it showed was, because I was, my commission base was four and a half percent, two percent to the listing, two and a half to the selling agent. So they make more money than I do. So I, it was an experiment. I, I was there was less than ten percent of the people were doing two and a half percent. Everybody was in an uproar. Was anybody going to sell my listings? Well, let's find out because the buyers see it on the internet and it's priced right and it's competitive and it's staged correctly and it's going to sell. And it did. So what happened was my houses were selling faster than everybody else. And as soon as I went into a listing, I said, here's the deal. Here's how fast mine sell. Here's how fast theirs sell. Commission has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. I thought 2.5 was fair. Today, 
everybody's at 2.5. Everybody. There may be a few that are offering 2%. I, you know, to be honest with you, it's my judgment call. What I advise my sellers and my judgment is 2.5% is fair. And I think that's what, what we should do it as. And that's what I do. And that's what I recommend. Sellers don't have to do it, but that's what I recommend. Okay. They don't have to do anything. So I don't want to get sued. So I go back to 1985 and there was a guy named Jim Workington and Jim Workington started a program called buyer brokerage. So in 1985, I was doing buyer brokerage. And what that means is now catch this, a seller pays a commission to the selling agent, and the buying agent. So technically the seller's paying all the commissions, right? So what Jim said was, tell you what, we're going to go in and have a clause that says the seller is going to pay our agency two and a half percent or 3% of the time on behalf of the buyer, because I'm working for the buyer. And what that means is that the, the, the agent goes to the buyer and says, look, you're going to pay me two and a half percent, but the seller's going to pay it. But this two and a half percent protects the agent because if they show you a withdrawn listing, there's no guarantee they can get paid. But in the contract, we've agreed that the seller is going to pay on your behalf two and a half percent to me. So what that does is it opens up the marketplace from the listings that are offering two and a half to the listings that are offering anything to the for sale by owners that are offering nothing to the um, withdrawns and expires that are offering nothing, right? So what it does is it basically triples the triples the buyer pool, triples the amount of homes that you can look at and an agent can show you. So in 1985, we were executing buyer brokerage agreements that said the seller is going to pay our company 3% on behalf of the buyer and that we're working for the buyer. And I hope Jim Workington is still around. I'm gonna try and track him down. But that is the exact same thing. And should one of you agents, and I know I have a lot of Samson agents that listen to this, should you not do that? And you go wandering into one of these knucklehead realtors like the Reynolds Group, that's gonna offer you 1% and you haven't prepped your buyer for that, you're getting 1%, not two and a half, 1%. Now on a million dollar deal, that's $15,000. And you've been dragging this buyer around everywhere. And, and now let me tell you something. Let me be clear. The Reynolds team is not charging four and a half or three. They're charging six. So they're going to keep five and give you one, which I think is horrible, terrible because we all work for a living and everybody should get paid what they get paid. And I respect the people that are the buying agents that are working with these buyers that are getting them, you know, they're running around and they're, they're trying to find a house and they're submitting contracts and the contracts are all, they lose on multiple contract presentations. I mean, we would receive seven, 10, 15 contracts, which means the agent had to go out and show the house. They had to write the contract and they're competing with 17 other agents. And they did it multiple times. And then the buyer got frustrated and went home and said, I'm not going to buy anything right now. I'm going to rent. I'm going to go live with my parents. So are the, are the selling agents worth it? Absolutely. 
Should a selling agent have a buyer brokerage agreement that says I work on behalf of the buyer and the seller is going to pay me on behalf of the buyer? Absolutely. That's what I'm recommending. So I think that's the way it should have been since 2000 or uh, 1985. Now, in 2010, they did adopt buyer brokerage where the buyers would, everybody would sign things saying the, the selling agent is representing the buyer. So it did come into buyer brokerage in 2010, but not the way Jim was doing it. The way Jim was doing it was, and the way we were doing it, was the seller will pay on my behalf. In other words, the buyer has to pay a down payment, they have to pay closing costs. They don't want to pay another 2.5% to their selling agent. They want that to come from the proceeds of the sale. So, so the seller is going to pay it on behalf of the buyer. No extra expense for the buyers, but their pool of homes they can look at triples. More homes today are withdrawing than going under contract. That's a massive buyer. That's a massive inventory that's sitting out there waiting. So if you Samson agents, if you're working with a buyer, talk to Mike Briggs, go through all their buyer brokers, do what you got to do. But I'm going, my agents are going 1985 all over again. And if I could find Jim Morganton, bless his heart, I don't know how old he is, but I will track him down. He's one of the greatest realtors in Northern Virginia. And this is nothing but going back to old school. My name is Casey Sampson. And I run the Casey Sampson team in Northern Virginia. And if you need any help in Northern Virginia, I'm your one call guy. You can call me at 703-508-2535, whether you're listing or buying. Now, let me be clear. We are the number one team in the state of Virginia. We've specialized in Northern Virginia. So that's all we handle. But we're also in contact with number one teams throughout the country through this Real Trends Network and Wall Street Journal Network. So if you have somebody, friends, family, business associates in this Austin, Texas, give us a call. I'll find the number one medium-sized team, not big, not small, medium-sized team, and get them in touch with that realtor. You've seen what we can do here. There are agents just like us, top medium teams in each market. We'll put your family, friends, business associates in touch with them, and all is good. All is good. We have to protect people. This is a very difficult market. More homes are withdrawing than, than selling. So we need to be working with the best when you're out here in this market. Again, my name is Casey Sampson, 703-508-2535. Or you can reach me at Casey at CaseySampson.com. If you want to stay up to date on market conditions, go to CaseySampson.com and hit market snapshot. And you'll have more information than you can ever hope for when you're looking at market conditions in Northern Virginia. We'll see you again next week on Coffee with Casey. Bye now.